Do you want to grow in the knowledge of the Word of God? Do you want to be encouraged and strengthened to live it out boldly and effectively in your life? Welcome to the Open Hearts in a Closed World podcast, a podcast where women meet together to model and grow in Christ through the Word of God, as it says in Hebrews 10.25, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We are so glad you are taking the time to be with us. So get ready. Now here's your co-hosts, Brooke Bartz and Aaron Coates, to talk, strengthen, build up, come alongside, and encourage you as women to live life verse by verse. Welcome back to the Open Hearts in a Closed World podcast with um, my co-host, Aaron Coates. I'm Brooke Bartz, and we want to thank you so much for being with us. As you know, we are working through 2 Timothy and we are on episode seven, and we are on 2 Timothy 1, 15 through 18. So it's going to be a while. We joke about that all the time, but, you know, Aaron and I <laughs> take serious what we do, and so we want to make sure that we're prepared and um, that you have time to go back and listen to everything that has been brought up through scripture and just the wisdom that has come just from learning this book and um, reading it and studying it and meditating on it. So, for the last couple of months, we kind of took a break, um, Aaron and I did, and it was not, um, let's see, it was not planned until as we started going along, there were some things that have been going on in our lives. And so Aaron, can you, can you kind of um, just catch us up on your life and what's been going on with you? Yeah, my life has been a little bit of a whirlwind uh, with our church growing so rapidly, um, so my focus really has been giving all of my energy to the Grace Life Women, our women's ministry, writing our content and lessons. Um, and then I had a conference, a pastor's wives conference to go to. And so, uh, with my health, I do not have great health. And so I don't know, I think James and I are starting to figure out it could be the climate in Edmonton that is really affecting us. Um, because he went to shepherd's conference and he was fine. And then he got back and he doesn't feel well. And then I go to uh, Illinois and I feel okay. And then come back and within a couple of days, it's I, it, something's affecting me. So, um, some people have mentioned potentially mold. So we're going to be having our house, um, kind of looked at for mold, but, um, yeah, it could just be the climate. A lot of people that I talk to who have autoimmune are really struggling right now. Um, so I don't know what's happening with the Alberta climate, but <laughs> air yeah. pressure and all of that. And so I get, I get bouts of vertigo. And so it's hard for me to do anything when I do that, when I have that. Um, so yeah, between just not being well, caring for James, homeschooling Caleb, and um, we're still working like with our, with our oldest son and being his mom and all that entails, um, being the mom of a 20 year old and, and our women's ministry, it's just been hard for us to get together. And then, yeah, I, I had to prepare two sessions for, um, the, the pastor's wives conference. And then we did a Q and a, but so I'm still teaching, still writing and preparing those lessons while still keeping my husband and my home and my children as my first priority. Um, so yeah, we just were like, okay, let's, let's take just a couple, a little bit off so that we can regroup and focus on our priorities and then come back and, and be able to do this. So I'm thankful that women are so patient with us as we do this. And, uh, but hopefully at the same time, it can be an example to you that, you know, husband, children, home, 
uh, church, like those are, are my priorities and my elders wives are my priorities too. Um, that, that can be an example to you that, you know, you don't, you, you can't do everything and it's okay that you can't do everything. You need to do the things that are necessary, your worship of Christ, uh, living out the Titus two ministry. And, and, um, so hopefully that'll be encouraging to some people who really want to do it all, but can't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Aaron has, you know, been busy with life, always the ministry and taking care of her family. And I can say the same thing. We just planted a church. Um, We're sent out from our home church in Georgetown, Texas, and we just planted. And we had during that time, um, just um, the public launch of it. And so I have been very busy with the women um, of the church already. We did a um, resurrection uh, project. We, in God's kindness, we have been able to have a ministry that started with Baylor, Scott, and White within neurological floor. And so we delivered 120 um, succulents to uh, the staff, patients, and um, just the workers, doctors on that floor. And we did that Saturday. So, um, but right before Resurrection Sunday. So, um, Ministry is full time, um, but at the same time, the ministry, like I, like she said, of of my family is most important. And I have a thirteen year old daughter that continues to grow up and um, shepherding her, training her up in righteousness um, and the fear and admonition of the Lord. And then I'm writing a second book um, for Godly Ever After. So I did a podcast with um, Kimberly Cummings and Shelby Cullen. And that was really great. And so we've just been very busy, um, not to mention um, just sick as well. So taking care of your family is first and foremost and service of the church and serving my husband um, alongside him as a, as a pastor's wife has been a new and um, eye-opening, amazing challenge. And I'm so thankful for Erin and her wisdom and just her counsel and, and kind of walking me through things and being here with me to go through this life with me with that. And so I desperately wanted to be at the conference, the Shepherd's Wives Conference, but um, with the launch of our church, that was not going to be a possibility. So we have both been very busy and we have missed um, our time face-to-face, even talking together before we even turn on the camera and record and our outtakes and Aaron and I are terrible with technology, so that's always fun just to get it loaded on here, up here. So um, so we're glad to be back, and we just want you to know if you need anything, you can reach out to us um, on our Instagram, um, Aaron Coates 80 mine is Just Brooke Bartz, um, and then we have a conference coming up, the Open Hearts in a Closed World Conference comes up July 10th, and so for the week. And so we've got to record our lessons for those and be ready for those things. So it's been a very busy time, but it's been a very exciting time. And what a great time to be a believer in this day and age, which we'll get into. So we'll, before we start, I want to say thank you to Brandon Kimber of AGTV. We're streamed there. Um, we're the only women's ministry that's on um, AGTV. And so we're thankful for that. Aaron and I are thankful that our podcast is on there, that they also stream the conference, Open Hearts Conference there. We have a YouTube Open Hearts in a Closed World, and you can watch us there with the um, podcast, or you can listen on the Bar podcast, which is Biblical and Reform with Dwayne Atkinson. So we want to always thank them for letting us be part of their network family. So um, 
before we get started, Erin is going to pray for us. She's going to give us a recap, and then we'll talk about our verses um, this month, which is 2 Timothy 1, 15 through 18. All right. All right, let me pray. Father, we are so thankful that we get to study your word, that we get to see just your heart through the Apostle Paul. Um, for those who are next in line to take the baton of knowing the truth, guarding the truth, loving the truth and living the truth. And we just pray that we would be faithful to these verses that Christ Jesus would be glorified and that we would be spurred on to greater godliness as this day and age is growing increasingly more dark and hostile towards us. Help us to take these verses to heart and to stand unapologetically upon your truth and to stand unabashedly and unashamed of Christ Jesus and his death and resurrection and um, the full sufficiency of your word, Lord. So we just pray that your spirit would be with us, that you would keep us from error, and that you would work on the hearts of the women who will be listening to this podcast so that they would be sold out to Christ in their homes um, and whatever sphere you have placed them in, in their local churches, um, and that you would get all of the glory. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So Aaron, why don't you give us a recap, um, because it has been a while on what we covered the last time that we met for our podcast and that how that kind of leads into our verses. Yeah. Um, so the last verses that we went through, uh, was 12 through 14, wasn't it? For this reason, yeah. I also suffer these things, but I'm not ashamed for, I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. Retain the standard of sound words, which you have heard from me in the faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus guard through the Holy spirit who dwells in us, the treasure, which has been entrusted to you. And it's hard not to go back to the beginning of chapter one and just remind everybody that the apostle Paul is in a Roman prison and, um, he it's likely Timothy was struggling with some timidity, um, some fear of man, uh, when it came to his ministry. And so Paul is writing him this letter and he is telling him that not to be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord or of his prisoner, but to join with him in suffering for the gospel and that he has called us to this holy calling, um, not according to works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all of eternity and to keep his eye fixed on that day. And we're actually going to go back through being fixed on that day and how it's going to help us to stand. And so he's passing that baton to Timothy. He wants him to suffer as a, as a good soldier. Uh, we're going to see in chapter two, but also just be convinced of what, you know, and in that retain the standard of sound words, guard through the Holy spirit, the treasure entrusted to you. Don't drop the ball, be faithful. Persecution is going to come. Difficulties are going to come. And so he wants him to stand. And then he reassures him through these next verses that we're going to go through. Do you want me to read those as well? Yes. Go for it. Uh, he goes through in, in 15 to 18. You are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me among who are Philetus and Hermogenes. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But he, when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched for me and found me. The Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know very well what services he rendered at Ephesus. And so here, Paul, again, is telling Timothy that like, don't, like everyone has turned away from me. You don't turn away from me. You stand in the truth. And that um, he just goes through people who had abandoned him and that Timothy was to have the quality of Onesiphorus in that he refreshed him in his chains and to be bold and to not worry about 
um, like what, what you're going to face, there's a cost. And we have mm-hmm. to realize that there is a cost. And uh, we're going to talk about that, how in our day, you know, our downfall is going to be the gender ideology. We see it happening and there's great compromise in the church. People willing to stand against things like homosexuality, not because we hate them, but because we love them and that they're just unwilling to speak the truth to people. And so we're going to receive a lot of hate for that. And, uh, and so we have to love in, in spite of how we're going to be treated and to make sure that we're speaking the truth because we're going to stand before Christ on that day. We're not going to answer to these people who are reviling us. We're going to answer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I think that's just Paul's admonition to Timothy. Keep going in the face of adversity. Keep going. Yeah. And ladies take courage as we start these verses. You know, one of the things that strengthens me so much and spurs me on so much is knowing that I have a sister like Erin who is like Timothy, kindling afresh, continuing to understand the persecution that we face and holding the line, being steadfast in not only um, just in her life, in her doctrine, um, but serving alongside her husband, who is very bold and unashamed of the faith. And, And when we have people like that with us, this is why we talk about this verse. It says, you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes, Phygelus and Hermogenes. And so what we understand is that Timothy saying that he's aware, Timothy knows them. Um, Now, we don't know anything else about these two men. We know that they're they're called out um, for their cowardly to contrast the difference between a faithful soldier and someone who is unashamed. Um, But they were probably leaders. Um, They were well known with Paul because he uses their name and um, and probably and they were well known with his ministry because he says they've served. And then he says they've turned away from him um, since his imprisonment. And so he's calling out their cowardice. He's, con- he's um, contrasting who Timothy is called to be, who we're called to be as um, soldiers. And this should give us um, um, good faith to know that, that just as Paul is saying, these are the ones that, that are ashamed. He's telling Timothy, don't be ashamed, right? Keep, keep going. You know, I've passed the baton to you. And, and John MacArthur makes a great point. He says, you know, this was the hall of shame, not the hall of fame. And, uh, you know, these are the kind of people that we need to be aware of, um, that when we start seeing these ve- these veers um, towards being afraid of man um, and cowardly and fleeing at the first sign of persecution and trials and hardships, um, th- this is what this is what we need to understand in Second Timothy to, to be these women who are unashamed of the gospel. And, you know, Aaron, like you said, we're going to talk about this kind of maybe a little bit different kind of some personal examples and just things that have gone on in our lives just so that women can be encouraged to know they're not alone and to keep standing strong and to, to not be fearful. So what, what I wanted to ask you is, are, can you think of some examples of desertion, which we know you can, um, or fear of man that has kept people from standing with you or your church or James um, in the face of times of trials? Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to use our example of of James going to jail and keeping your church open because people will use the reasoning that they were just obeying the government. And, uh, and obviously like their conscience is bound to that. We had lots of people turn on us, Um, Still people making videos about James who like are are supposed to be Christian people, 
but like the stuff that they're saying isn't true. And so they think they have all the information about James and what he's doing. And it's clear that they're not listening to his ministry. (laughs) They're just looking at what other people are kind of saying about him. And so we have still people turning on us in that way. And so when you make Mm -hmm. videos about James, where your entire premise is, is faulty, um, that catches on like wildfire. And before you know it, people just have this wrong view of, um, of who, who James and our leadership are. And so, yeah, we had people turn on us during that time. Um, you know, James and I, we would often visit churches in the area during our vacation and, that is becoming increasingly more difficult because people don't want us there and we're stumbling blocks to them. And that's really, um, there, I think there's a question actually in our verse about like, why is it different when Christians turn on you versus the world? And it's because, will you expect it from the world? You expect that they're going to lie about you. Um, but when it comes from Christians who you're supposed to be united in Christ with and are supposed to be working towards the same end goal, the glory of God, that has a little bit of a sting. Um, There's a different kind of betrayal in that. And um, so, yeah, I I mean, we have lots of instances of people, you know, I I got emails from people when James was in jail that previously went to our church of like, just shut up, Aaron, like Mm -hmm. sit down and shut up. And I'm just like, no, I will not be ashamed of, of my husband being in prison for standing for the, the freedom to worship for, for Christ's lordship over his church. Um, so yeah, just some vile things said to me by believers. And it was just like, okay, so, um, I, I can see like, obviously it, it affected Paul that, okay, let's get his name straight. What is it? Phygelus or Philetus? Phylus. <laughs> what is it i think it's by gelis by gelis okay we'll go with that and then james will correct me later (laughs) um he he but the word of turning away there um in the greek it it's actually looks very much like apostasy like there's a turning away so obviously he was affected by these men who turned away but also there's a warning in that too in him saying hey like if you think that they're living for Christ and they're not ashamed of the gospel. I'm actually calling them out by name. Um, So there is like uh, the apostle Paul felt it. He said that in chapter four, um, he said at my first defense, no one supported me. Everyone. Mm -hmm. me. That's right. Can't not be counted against them. So there you see his pastoral heart, like they're deserting him probably because the cost was too much. Um, but I think as I, as I've just lived in ministry, I think I realize um, a lot of, there's a threshold for, for people there. The Lord just has to orchestrate the right set of circumstances for the heart to be exposed. And mm-hmm. I had a gentleman say, he's a, he's a fellow pastor who's been through a lot in ministry. And when we were kind of going through our church difficulty, he, he said, Aaron, he said, you're going to be surprised at who stays and you're going to be surprised who leaves. And he was right. <laughs> like I, so I'm just, I can't be shocked anymore. I just have to trust that the Lord is working in someone's heart. I have to hold fast to my own integrity and that I'm living before the Lord in faith and with a clear conscience and just trust in him that he, I don't know people's hearts. You know, you just get to see the fruit of people's hearts when it's aimed at you and not that it doesn't hurt 
um, or not that it, but you can't allow that hurt to become unforgiveness or bitterness. You just recognize that there's a massive war, especially within your own local church. And, uh, you faithfully pray for those people, but yeah, we have lots of stories of just like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny. I mean, when all this happened and I was being very bold and posting about keeping your church open and I'm in Texas, which is supposed to be conservative and, you know, the Bible belt. And, and I had people and friends that were like, why are you, why are you fighting this? Like, this isn't your, this isn't your battle. And and you need to, you need to be careful what you say about, um, you know, COVID and, and wearing masks and keeping the church open. And, and I, I was, um, and, and even to the point of dissociating with me um, because I was friends with you and because I loved you and was defending the truth of what you and James were going through, um, you know, simple things as, hey, w- you know, would you pray or would you let people know about this? Um, you know, there were there were things that happened that I was very shocked, even with people that were believers because they were afraid. Um, and I wasn't, and Brad wasn't. And so we took a lot of heat for that. And we weren't even, I mean, we're how many miles away I mean, you're in Canada, you know, and I'm in, in Texas and just the association yeah. of being with friends with you and, oh, you know, Brooke, she's very like radical, you know, she's friends with Aaron and look at her standing up and those things. And, and you see, you feel that with, with, uh, the, the association, I mean, these men were associated with Paul and they just deserted him. They just abandoned him. And, you know, we understand that the abandonment, I mean, it can do with doctrinal deviation, right? Deserting the gospel, deserting the doctrine. Um, but we don't know for sure if it's that. We just know that the word says that um, it indicates that, you know, they were, that, that, Paul, that Timothy was aware that Paul was forsaken and that we know it was all who lived in Asia. And of course, Asia was around the, the, Roman, the Roman province. And so modern day Turkey. And there was a lot of worship of Diana, which kind of ties in with where we're going with this, you know, the temple of Diana. So all these things are going on. Paul's in prison. Timothy could be shirking back. And, you know, it's a very pagan, sexually immoral culture where they're living province where they're living. So Tim- Timothy is dealing with all of these things, not just the, um, you know, trying to hold his church together, but the outside world creeping in of what with immorality and sexual morality. And, and we know that he, he was, um, had a pause to kind of could have been tempted to shirt back. And so Paul tells him, you know, don't, you know, kindle afresh. And, and you have to, you, you have to know if all these things are going on, all these things are weighing on a pastor's heart and mind. And so, um, you know, the, the verse in second Peter, uh, two 17 and 19, um, says, you know, we're to, they're like springs without water and mist driven by storm from whom the black darkness has been reserved for speaking out arrogant words of vanity. They entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the one who lives in air, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption for by what a man has overcome, by this he is enslaved. And, and we're talking about something that Christians shouldn't have even been, I mean, that James wanted to keep his church open. That shouldn't be. That's that not radical. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, we see, we see this, we understand that, but Timothy's facing 
all of these things, right? That since his his um, founding thought, he's in prison, Paul's in prison, and Timothy's there. He's holding a line, and people are falling away over something as simple as Paul being imprisoned, as simple as simple as James being imprisoned because they're afraid. And so now we face in our time, in our day and age, um, which you said it's getting darker, and like it talks about lots of immorality, lots of sex, sexual immorality, LGBTQ transgender, you know, these are, these are people that, that, that are follow that are worshiping, you know, Satan, that they're following Baal and they're, they're living lives that are completely, you know, in hate and rebellion towards God. And we have believers who are afraid to stand up for the truth against what God's word says. And so um, I think we have to, we have to be aware that to understand that, that, um, we will see these kind of things, like you said. It won't just be things that should be uh, a clo- open and door closed case, right? It won't just be things like, oh, James kept his church open. It's going to be people that fall away, that turn away because they're afraid of man with LGBTQ, maybe going to prison fear of man, or those that just completely just deny the doctrine of, um, of, of Christ and what the gospel teaches and what salvation is and start preaching an entire, um, entirely different gospel. And we know that those people are going to rise up within us too, because it talks about that somewhere among you. And so we have to be aware of all these things. And Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Um, Matthew 10, 28, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And then Galatians 1, 10, 4, am I now seeking the approval of man or God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So we need to be aware of of what's going on. And we need to understand that turning away from the truth, truth, it means, you know, twisting, reverse. And so like we talked about, it can mean um, a deviation of doctrine, but they turn their ears away from the truth. And so it's the same idea as Philippians 2, 21, for they all seek after their own, in, own interests, not those of who Christ Jesus. And so what are your, what are your thoughts where it talks about um, they turn, they turned aside and the verse says, um, let me get to it real quick. Uh, hold on just a second. It's all the way up here. Turned away from me among who we know who they are. Um, and so it says they turned away. What are you, what are your thoughts on what Paul is telling Timothy and, and what that verse, what you learned from that verse as you studied it? Yeah. I mean, um, just that there's going to be people who, who turn away from you. And I, it like, so I have here men who turned away from the truth, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, there was a turning away from allegiance to both Paul and Christ. Mm-hmm. And so like Paul is like, Paul is the church planter. He was the one planting these churches and, and the ones that he didn't plant, he, he ministered to, and he, he tried to build them up. And, um, obviously the church in Rome, he didn't plant that church, but, and he longed to see them, but he couldn't. So he wrote a letter to them. And obviously we have the, the epistle to the Romans, but, um, he, he was known as, you know, he's the apostle Paul, but his entire ministry, he had people turning away from him and Galatians, it says, 
at one point you would have, would have plucked out your eye and given it to me. And now you're turning away from me. Like, where's, where's your love that you once had for me. And so it's in the church and it's outside of the church. And so that this is just a reminder to me because all in Asia turned away. Well, he's not talking about the world. He, the, we right. know the world is going to, is going to be against us. Um, he's talking about those who profess Christ and ultimately there's going to be a day in which the Lord brings that into an account. So was Paul in sin because he's in jail? Like the, clearly it wasn't right. a gospel issue. Like everyone's saying, well, you know, you should only stand when they, when they say that, um, we shouldn't preach the gospel. So what about Paul? What do you do with Paul? Everyone stay away from him. Was he preaching the gospel? Was it another matter? Was he standing up against Nero? We don't know. He, right. I just mean that they, he's calling Timothy. Don't be ashamed of his chains. Don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner or of the Lord Jesus Christ, which shows he was in obedience to the Lord. So yeah. like, yeah, for me, it's just like, okay, this, this is the Christian life. And it's because there's a war for the truth. And there's a war for the truth in the church. And that's where we have to be so careful that if you think you are doctrinally right about something, you need to watch your character and conduct. Because mm-hmm. like, I see all of these people online that are just like against this and against that. And it's like, but they're mockers and they, they, in their arguments, there's ad hominems and their, their entire premise is built on fallacy. And you're kind of like, guys, like we, if you are truly in Christ, you have to like reckon with that. <laughs> that, that. Right. So for us, people would just discredit our salvation so that they could just seemingly treat us as they wanted to. But, you know, we were being treated worse than unbelievers. Um, right. But also I see that you know, a theme that I'm seeing in the church and Jesse Johnson pointed it out in his shepherds conference, um, breakout session on Christian nationalism, where Mm -hmm. he was talking about, you know, the, the ethics committee was, was like against the men who were opening their churches yet seemingly said more about being free to build a mosque. (laughs) Like they were more about that than they were the men who opened their churches. But then you start to see a common theme in these, in these guys and women where, you know, whether it's a refusal to open, stand with people who open their churches and allow people to worship according to their conscience. Mm-hmm. Like that's just not, that's just ABCs of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, women in pulpits, uh, mm-hmm. you see a common theme that the people who are not standing against the women who are in pulpits are also not saying anything about homosexuality, transgenderism, or the right. mutilation of our children. Like, and I realized with saying that string of words, we're probably going to get kicked off of YouTube. <laughs> But it's true. Like there's just a lack of um, standing up against what is so wrong, what scripture dictates. So of course they're not standing against these matters. And you just wonder like, do they truly know the Lord or are they just, is there that fear of man? And that's where you see Paul saying to Timothy, do not be ashamed. I'm fully aware with this law that just passed through our house, that my entire online presence is going to put me in jail. Like that's the the basis of it. So, um, yeah, we can't be cowardly in our day and age. We have to love the people we're speaking truth to no matter how much they hurt us. Yeah. And, um, you know, you talk about the, hold on, I got to get the dogs. I'll, I'll, <laughs> um, You talk about the importance of um, 
when we know that they they stood with them, that, that it hurts more when it's believers or professing believers. And, you know, I have some examples, you know, when we came down to, to plant this church, we met with people who we grew up with um, because Brad and I are from Central Texas. We're from Temple and, um, and we're from this area. And so people were excited and, and then they find out who Brad is and, you know, that we're reformed and we're five solas and we're, um, election and we're predestination and we're against the woke and the LGBTQ and transgender and um, female pastors because there's no such thing. And there's no sound churches in this area. And I can't tell you the number of people that I've met with women that I've met with that are like, well, I just, you know, when push comes to shove, you see who people really are. And it's sad because it either they're professing and they're truly not in Christ. They need to look at their life or it is a fear of man. And we're seeing this, this desertion like that. And, you know, the, the world is going to hate you. We are going to be persecuted and the church should be the light, the city on a hill that, that, that stands out because we are so different. We are not to look like the world. We are to look like aliens. And if you look like an alien, then a lot of people don't want to be around you because you are so different than the world that because we're to hate the world, you know, we don't love the things of the world. We love the things of Christ. And so our church, and I'll tell you, tell people about this. Our church is in Temple, Texas. It's called Sola Bible Church. So if you need a sound church, um, then I encourage you to come on Sunday. And if you're in Canada where Aaron is, then you need to go to their church. But I won't get where it's in Edmonton, right? <laughs> but I don't know the address, so I can't give you that. But you need to go to the church. So, um, but we are in a very liberal, small town. Um, Temple is not that big, um, but. As you go over our our highway, um, you see a sign on I-35 that says we love our, our Temple, Texas neighbors. And it's the Texas logo with the colors of transgender and LGBTQ. And Brad and I grew up with these people that are have have just started this um, just this movement in Temple to to make everything LGBTQ friendly, transgender. There's actually a um, a house where they meet and then it's like a gathering that they meet um, once a month and they it's all queer age friendly. They've had drag queens there. They've had, um, you know, LGBTQ friendly bands. They promote it. They want kids there of all ages. And we went to school with these people. And this is what is taking over our town. And so Brad and I are, have had a lot of persecution already just from standing to the standing with the truth. And we've seen people shirk away. But the beautiful thing is what we're going to get to is that there are fellow workers that will stand with you. And to see our little church and the people that keep coming back, knowing the opposition and the persecution that they're facing. I mean, we've had people tell us, I've lost friends. I've lost family members. Um, and that's part of, of being unashamed of Christ. And if we can't be unashamed in situations like this, what's going to happen when they, when, when the world really becomes where if you deny Christ, you can live. And if you, and if you don't, then you're going to be killed. You're going to see people deny. And so on these kind of things, it should be to me a given like you, like the word of God is our standard. 
It's our authority. It's inerrant. His commands are that we are to abhor from sexual immorality. That's anything that, um, you know, it goes against God's design for marriage. So pornography, lusting, anything it's between a man and a woman, husband and wife. And so if that is what God's word says and sexual immorality, then, then we've, then sexual immorality, of course, is going to include LGBTQ and transgender. That's just a given. And to see people profess Christ, but then to sign on with this billboard or give money to it or go to churches who are not speaking out openly against it tells me where their allegiance is. Um, Because to me, being quiet is just the same. I mean, that's cowardly. That's turning that's turning away. And that's why it gives me such hope with Aaron and James um, and all that they're facing even now in Canada with all the transgender that's coming. Um, you know, the 17 year old kid that, that came out of prison I saw on your, and I shared that just how he was berated, you know, just belittled and just harassed and screaming at him and throwing coffee in him for, for preaching the gospel outside of where there was a drag queen event. We have, our freedom in Christ, not in this world, not in the nationalism. We have freedom in Christ because we need to be unashamed because our freedom actually can come from our greatest freedom being chained for the gospel. And so if we continue to stand and if we continue to surround ourselves around believers who are like-minded and strong and fellow workers in the faith like Oniferous, then that's what we see. And that's why it's such an encouragement. And so you know, think about this, ladies, like, are you friends with those who would desert you or stand with you in chains? Do your friends boldly and unashamedly proclaim Christ in a trial or even when faced with persecution or fear of the world in a situation? Are they nowhere to be found or are they with you as we're going to learn about and if we're refreshing you? And so that's the next part that we're going to talk about um, is the next verse. So, um, Aaron, the verse says, um, uh, may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. So what do we know about this verse? It's funny. I think you say that his name the same as James does. And I just like, can't get away from Onesiphorus. <laughs> Onesiphorus. It's so hard to say. Onesiphorus. On, Onesiphorus. I don't know. I, I give up on Greek names. <laughs> Roman names. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, and even just going back to the, the last verse too, in regards to, we did a lot on, on friendship there mm-hmm. and, and in regards to making sure your friends are people who encourage you and love you and are going to stand for the truth. Um, those who give you wise counsel, those who are going to, um, sharpen you and, um, really, really have that realization that bad company corrupts good morals and, and just, <laughs> like having people who love Christ and not making friends with the world. And I think, I think kind of what we're seeing is maybe, I don't know, the, the tail end of um, what the seeker friendly movement has done to Christianity and that people think that they can hold hands with the world and yes. hold and hold hands with the Lord, but the Lord is clear, like light and darkness there, there, the contrast is very great, dead and living. <laughs> and so we just have to be very careful about, um, like who our friends are and making sure that our friends are encouraging us. And, um, but also at the same time, you know, recognizing that courage, it, it stems, like you said, from the fear of the Lord and 
not being um, arrogant or, you know, I, I, my biggest fear is compromise and, mm-hmm. and not standing. And I have to ask the Lord every day to help me to stand for his truth. And that um, just recognizing that, like, if these men whom Paul did ministry with abandoned him or even Judas, nobody knew Judas was a Judas, <laughs> you know? And so like making sure like you, you're standing unapologetically on the truth and the power of the spirit, that it's not something that you're doing in your own strength that, you know, it's done in the fear of the Lord, recognizing you're going to be judged and, um, you're either going to have your works burn or you're going to, or they're going to be rewarded. And, uh, and we know that from first Corinthians three. So looking at that, that verse, um, and on day two, was it day two? No, we already went through day two. Um, well, we kind of, jumped around a lot. We did. We did jump around a lot. Um, yeah. So we're doing verse, we're on verse 17. <laughs> I'm like yeah. so used to doing our discipleship groups where we go through every single question, but, um, so no, what verse are we doing? The Lord we're on, yes. You can say his name. <laughs> no, Anisiphorus. I, I don't know. James says it, um, differently too. Yeah. So we're on the Lord grant mercy to the house of Vanessa forest where he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. That one, right? Yes. Um, yeah. So here you have Vanessa forest who obviously has traveled a significant distance to see Paul. Um, mm-hmm. and cause he's from Ephesus and you know, that, um, he, we know that from, uh, verse 18 that he, he rendered help to him in service in, in Ephesus. So they were faithful friends, but here you have the contrast of two unfaithful friends and a faithful friend, a man, uh, men who abandoned, um, Paul and the Lord and a man who, um, served him and loved him and found him in prison. Like, I can't imagine how difficult that would have been to just be like, you know, you don't have computers nowadays of, Hey, you know, what's prisoner or whatever. We don't, we don't know how their system worked if they kept paperwork or if they just threw them in the dungeons. Uh, we don't know. And there, and a lot of their jails were underground too. So there wasn't like this, like really wonderful, you know, everyone knew you were going to the jail. <laughs> So he, he, there was a great cost in, in him going to see Paul. I think I had written down, I don't know. I got this from a commentary, but he would have walked from Ephesus to Rome was 924 kilometers, which was 574 miles. It's a 191 hour walk. So roughly eight days walking 24 hours. If they traveled 16 days, if they traveled, it would have been 16 days had they done 12 hours. So eight days completely if they traveled all day, which we know they can't do. Um, and it would have been a dangerous journey. So he would, it would have cut, it would have taken him a long time to get there depending on, you know, if he had to restock for food. And, um, and then we know that he often refreshed Paul because so he was probably there for a couple months, depending upon how long Paul's um, jailing was. So it would have been a sacrifice for him. It would have been a sacrifice for his family to let him go on this, on this journey. Um, but he was willing to serve Paul and to not forget about him in prison. And so Paul is saying that he wants the Lord to grant mercy to his household, because obviously they're encouraging, like they would have had him go. And so no, their head of the home has left. And so he would have wanted mercy poured on them um, just for the the simple fact that Onesiphorus was taking care of Paul. 
And, uh, and so this would have been an example to Timothy that he was willing to go to the jail. He wasn't ashamed of Paul's chains. He was, he counted the cost and the cost could have been very great in aligning himself with Paul and going to that jail. And so he's telling Timothy, like, here is this faithful man contrasting with the ones who had abandoned him and left him. So that would have been a really great encouragement to Timothy. And we know that it was because Timothy ended up in prison himself. We know that from Hebrews 13, uh, 23, where it says that he had been released. So we know that Timothy, at least to that point, was standing on the truth and was jailed for it. And so obviously Paul's words had impacted him. Um, And just that great contrast of a faithful friend versus somebody who's not. And he was just devoted to the truth and he was devoted to Paul and Paul's life had impacted him. And so that that's just a great encouragement seeing that Onesiphorus, he wasn't ashamed of him. He wasn't ashamed of his chains. He knew that Paul was the Lord's servant. And he was going to align himself with him and not be ashamed of it. Yeah. And Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times, not just right. The good times, the easy times. And a brother is born for adversity. This was, this was this man. And he, we know he visited him often and he was eager to see him. And so this is the heart that he has for Paul, knowing the cost, like Aaron said. And so, um, it's interesting. One commentator says it was like a, the dungeon was like a cool breeze reviving Paul's spirit and soul. Don't we all thank God for sending those saints who are like a breath of fresh air in our time of trial. And, you know, that's something I wanted to, you know, just ask you, we've got the, the negative, right. Where we, we see the abandonment and we even see it with people who profess Christ, people who are even close in our lives. Both of us have, um, have felt that as well as our husband's, but, but if you had, do you have an example of what it is to have someone who's like a breath of fresh air or something that, that was done in a time of trial when you needed refreshment and you needed to have that, um, like that cool breeze just to revive your soul? I mean, we have plenty of, because we want to understand that there are those people who will stand with us. I mean, we, we see that we are given examples. And even though all of Asia deserted him, there was still few that stood by Paul and, you know, and Timothy, obviously, but, but what is something that you can say that, that it really refreshed you in a time of need that do you have something like that, that happened that you can give an example of? And I hate to use the example of jail again, but when the local people kind of fell silent and, and these were men that James had met with, um, years, you know, we saw the universal church rally around us in a way that really shocked me. Um, and, and, you know, if you've ever been in prison, you'll know it's not a cakewalk. Um, it's very dark there. There's a lot of demonic activity happening. Um, there's a fear cause you're in there with some of the most vile criminals. They're not in there because like, you know, their pastors being jailed. They're in there because they have and they're, they're ready to be transferred to, to, this is a, this is a ma- medium maximum secured prison because you have people who are awaiting bail and leaving, but then you also have people awaiting to be sentenced to maximum security prison. So you have the, the worst of uh, criminals that were in this one jail. And so that really there, there, there's a, and when you are alone and isolated from the body, that does a lot of like that, the spiritual attack on James's life was so great from Satan And, uh, and so when the letters from the universal church started pouring in and people were, they knew that, um, like he, 
he didn't have a worship service. So they would send him Psalms. They would send him hymns. They would send him everything to encourage him. And that was so refreshing for him to be able to go back to those letters and just have a constant influx of letters of people who are not forgetting his chains while he was in prison. And uh, so that was really encouraging Um, for me being on the outside. I was the one receiving the vitriol and the, and the hate. So when John MacArthur stood up in his pulpit and Nathan Booznitz, and they said like, we're not going to leave this man out here alone. Like we trained him. This is who we train for ministry. Um, that was so encouraging to me to even hear that MacArthur was listening to James's sermon. And he, he said, he is just an exponential preacher. Like that, you know, I knew that already. Right. <laughs> Um, but to hear the men that had the man that had mentored him and who has essentially, you know, been the forerunner of, of he, it's his Paul, right. To hear him say that and to come out and say, no, we're claiming this guy. That for me was like just an encouragement to my heart. And he had sent a letter, um, to me, um, that had gotten to me. So that just was a really special moment for me to be like, okay, here is this man who essentially we're standing on the shoulders of his ministry. And here is Nathan Booznet saying like, James Coates is a master seminary grad and we're not going to leave him out there. That right. just encouraged me. I think more than anyone could ever understand. Cause you do start to feel like, oh, I'm a little bit alone in this, you know, and, and how do people like, like MacArthur and them feel about what we're doing? Cause at that point, I don't, I think we knew about they had opened their church, but still we weren't quite clear. And so when people are just hammering him today and I'm just like, man, when everyone abandoned him, here was MacArthur standing with him, encouraging him in the word of God. And so, yeah, he's just not some celebrity to us. He's a friend. And, um, and so, yeah, that, that was a time for me that was really encouraging. Yeah. And I think about, you and and you can tell it better than me, obviously, but just knowing that James was in prison and that he called and that he was speaking to his men before one took the pulpit. Um, because what you guys need to realize is that they're just going to pick us apart, right? I mean, the, the, the understanding the danger, the risk, the persecution of the next man who fills the pulpit being carted off to prison for standing unashamedly for the gospel and for the faith of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You have to have strong men beside you. You have to have men who will not desert you as those two men did. And, and that is a refreshment to should be to our soul as well. And that's such an encouragement that you will have people desert you. You will. But you will also have those that are like a cool breeze that come alongside of you. And in the times when you need that the most, they're there. And that's why we it's so important to have godly men on the pulpit. It's so important to train up godly elders for the church and men who are of substance and faith and who um, have a strong um, backbone and are steadfast and who rely on the word of God, not on what the world tells them or what the politics tell them or Christian nationalism or academia or any of the, no, you need faithful men who will fill the pulpit. And that's what James had. And in his um, absence, there was someone who would, who would take that pulpit. And that should be an encouragement just of another, another example of in the time of, it could have cost the man his life. 
it could have cost him his family and going to prison. And he didn't hesitate to stand up there. And if that one would have been, then the next one would have stood up. And so we need to rally around our pastors and our leadership of our church. And you need to be in a sound church supporting these men, supporting these um, pastors' wives, um, the leadership of your church, and encouraging them and standing with them in the face of trial and adversity and persecution. And in the world being woke and LGBTQ, that's the kind of faithful friends, that's the kind of faithful fellow workers that um, obviously James has and what MacArthur was to James. Um, he was that person in that time. And, and we need those godly men to surround our local pastors. We need to all have people that we know will support us. And, and, um, and that's what John MacArthur was for James. And, um, and that's the legacy that he is as well to the men who are at his seminary and at his church and at the university and who have trained underneath him. Um, we pray that those men will continue to hold the line um, and be steadfast. But we know that times of great peril and persecution are coming beyond anything that we can imagine. Um, and we're seeing that, like Aaron said, with the LGBTQ transgender. And so to know that these men stood by James, it should encourage us and that should refresh us like Onisiphorus. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, because James was ultimately the one who went to jail, right? And, and you know, people talk about him a lot as having all of this courage. And I'm like, you know, he couldn't have done what he did without his elders, without his elders. Like he, here we have pastor Jake, who I always say is the unsung hero, <laughs> but here's a man who literally walked out of seminary was in ministry for four months. And here he's having to take the pulpit when there are police like surrounding us from every province who had volunteered to come to our church. Like it just was an insane scene and the courage that it took for him to stand up and do what he did um, was amazing to me. And even to see the courage of his wife. So here's his wife who, you know, isn't connected to the church in the way that um, they, they haven't had that time to be in the body, to get to know the body, the way that you'd ideally like to be a part of like before you, a trial like this hits and the courage of his wife to just go hands off and go, I'm going to let my husband do what he needs to do to serve Christ and to serve the church. I think they get kind of pushed to, to the, the back a little bit. And even, um, our previous associate pastor, Mike Hovland, who's up in, um, Lucrete, as soon as he found out James was in jail, he was on his way to the church. That's like an eight hour drive. <laughs> and, and his church like freed him up to go do that. So he could support our elders and be there for them. And, uh, and then like his, his even the courage of his wife in being like, Hey, you go and do that. And not knowing what he was going to face in regards to that. He was even the one who took the pulpit, the, the Sunday James was out of jail. And, uh, and even while James was in jail, him and his wife sending this video to our church and just affirming their love for them, their stand with grace life was so encouraging to our people. So here you just have men, um, of, of courage. And I know James tends to be the face of that and because he was the one who went to jail. But honestly, if it wasn't for these men who all stood for the truth and you know where it starts in their private life. Right. In their own devotional life, they are standing against sin. 
They are standing for the Lord Jesus Christ in those solitary moments to be able to stand in those bigger moments. And uh, I just think those guys sometimes don't get the visibility that they should uh, in, in their courage and that James couldn't have done what he did if, if it wasn't for them. Yeah. You know, second Timothy four, seven, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race, Paul. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This is the fight that we fight. This is the race that we run. And, um, we have to understand that 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 race is going to come with lots of hurdles and difficulties and we're to keep, we're to keep running. And that's what it looks like when people go before you who, who are faithful in that. And that gives courage to other believers. And, and I think about our little church, Sola church, um, the people continuing to come back, even though there's, there's going to be persecution and there's going to be hate on the, on the rise already because of our stance against our, our community, our town with LGBTQ and transgender and woke. And so these are the kind of people that God calls us to be. If we're faithful to him, then we're going to love each other as Christ loved the church. We're going to be willing to sacrifice our life for it. And these are the kind of men that stood by James. And so, you know, it says holding fast to the word of life. So in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, Philippians 2.16. So that kind of leads us to our next verse, um, which talks about, um, for he offered, um, but when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly. We know that found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. So what is that day? Because there's such an emphasis on that with that exclamation point. What does that, what does that mean, Erin, in that verse? And how can that encourage us as well? Yeah. And that day is like the day of judgment. It's the, it's the of, of Christ. And so, um, all, all of the service that we render to the Lord is ultimately going to be judged. And so, um, Paul understands that there's a Bema seat and that at that Bema seat, there is going to be a, a judgment that is revealed. And you are either going to stand because you built on the foundation of Christ, um, with like gold and, <laughs> or it's going to burn because you built on wood, hay and stubble. And so that's why we do everything that we do. And, um, yeah, the Lord wanted, um, or Paul wanted the Lord to pour out mercy upon Onesiphorus in that day because he stood for the truth. He wasn't standing for Paul. He was standing mm-hmm. for the truth. And then that caused him to stand for Paul. And so right. he wanted um, the Lord to be merciful to him in that day and recognizing that, man, he was given a talent and he, and in doing what he was doing and standing for the truth, he is going to reap the reward of that. And then well done, good and faithful slave. Um, you, you were in charge of little, or you, you took care of, um, little, I'll put you in charge of much. And so he just wanted that he wanted Onesiphorus to be blessed in that way. And how often do we think of that, right? When we see somebody who is being successful in their ministry of like, like I, I long people mock, uh, like, I think they were mocking Justin Peters for this. Cause he was like, I can't wait to see the reward that MacArthur gets. And obviously we know it's not MacArthur. It's the spirit working in and through MacArthur and the, and the ministry, but 
you really get a sense of how big that ministry is when you're actually down there. So when you look at the the university, the the seminary, the amount of missionaries they have on the field, and then from the missionaries in the field are being built like seminary um, TMAIs, and from the TMAI and in the training centers, like they're going out to build churches, and then it's just this big. You see how huge it is, and so people were mocking Justin Peters for saying like I, I can't. I can't wait to see the reward that MacArthur gets in on the day of judgment. And that's the same kind of heart, like the Lord grant him mercy on that day. Like, man, this is phenomenal because this is the work of the gospel and we don't get praise for it. We get rewarded for it, but it's the glory goes to God and that he enabled us and, and we had the spirit. And so you just see Paul's heart for Onessa Forrest and, and that like reward him for have mercy on him, compassion on him for the service that he rendered to the Lord's bond slave. Right. Like, um, so yeah. And, and I think that you just see too, with Onessa Forrest, his heart for serving Paul was a leader. He was an app. He was an apostle. He was an apostle. He was planting right. these churches and just the, the faithful service that he was rendering to this man and, and realizing that Paul had given his life to the church. I don't, I don't think there's any man who has walked the earth that is like not the God man <laughs> that accomplished what the apostle Paul did and his love for the church. And, um, so here you just see him t- like saying to the Lord, like, bless this man, like have mercy on him on yeah. the day of judgment. Yeah. In first Corinthians three eleven says for no one can lay a foundation, right? That Aaron talked about other than that, which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. What we do on earth has eternal implications, whether for good or for evil. And so we need to understand, like it says, revelation 22, 12, behold, I'm coming quickly. And my reward is with me to render to every man, according to what he has done. We know that we are going to be judged and some of the things we do are going to burn up and some are going to, are, are going to stand. And so it's important that we look at that day as something to, to look forward to, right. In that we understand that, that we have eternal life with Christ. Um, we don't lose our salvation. There's nothing that we can do that hasn't been forgiven and nailed to the cross when we repent um, but we understand that there are things that we're going to do that, that we don't want to be ashamed. Now, we want to be able to have works that um, that are refined and that make it through. And so it's important to understand that that day's coming. And what does our life look like here on this earth? How are we running? How are we living? Um, how are we supporting our, um, our church, our pastors, um, the ministry of Christ, the gospel and standing for it? Um, this is what we want. You know, Romans 12, 1. I love these verses. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, right? We talk about this all the time. We're transformed by the renewal of our mind so that we may be test, we may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so there, we have to make choices on this earth and our minds should always be transformed. We should never be conformed to the world. And so talking about these verses, I mean, talk about conforming to the world, you know, being afraid to stand with Paul and deserting him because he's in prison, being afraid to stand with a church because they keep their doors open during a pandemic, you know, well, 
we need to understand that there are going to be more things that come our way, um, more trials. And like we talked about with this sexual immorality of this generation, the darkened hearts and minds that are, that are, um, that are worshiping Satan outwardly, boldly um, in, in the mutilation of children in abortion in transgender LGBTQ design, taking what God's designed um, between a man and a woman and perverting that because that, honors um satan because he's a he's chaotic and he's perverted and he's obviously and so they want to put an eye and a bullseye on christians who are standing against that and so it's going to get harder for us and so we have to realize that that day is coming what are our works are we going to be ashamed or are we going to stand like this man did um and like timothy did beside paul and continue to hold the line. And as women thinking about this as well, like we can be, we have a ministry at home. Erin and I are not saying that we're called to go out and lead revolutions because we're not. Our husbands should be the ones that are our spiritual leaders. And Erin and I have talked about this even before we started this, the importance of having a godly husband who is the one that is shepherding you and that is washing you with the word that is teaching you, that is um, helping you to discern what, um, what good is, what evil is through the ministering of the word and teaching and training of the word and helping us to meditate on it, praying, praying with us, um, those kind of things to have a godly leader, because as women, our ministry is to be there for our family. We talked about that first and foremost as a Proverbs 31 wife and to be aware of what the world is, but we're not the ones that are leading this charge. Erin was there to do exactly what she was called to do um, when James went to prison and that was to hold the line, but she had gotten that from her husband and she was surrounded by the elders and the godly leaders uh, and the men of her church who were um, who were right there with her. And so we need to remember our, our ministry and to not, and some of the things that we need to not be ashamed of the gospel come very simply with teaching our children the truth of God's word, so that they're not ashamed, and raising them up um, in in a, in a God honoring way, and then serving um, our husbands faithfully as they serve at church, and as we are called to use our gifts for the church, um, and that and that's what it should look like in our every, in our everyday life. And so when these big things come at us. We have been faithful through the little. And so we see ourselves holding fast to the word of God with, with strong believers standing beside us. But you can't just you can't just all of a sudden say, and Aaron and I talked about this in a previous podcast, you can't just all of a sudden say, Well, I'm against that if you have not been against it from the get-go. Like your life should be a reflection of what Christ did on the cross and the work of Christ to redeem a people for himself, but blood bought that are called to obey and, and have him as their Lord and savior and obey his commands. It should be that simple when we understand what his commands are. If we can't even stand for the simple, how are we going to stand against LGBTQ and transgender? And so that's important too. That's just the last thing I wanted to say about just um, being, you know, running the, running the race and, and knowing that day is coming, you know, are we, are we ashamed or are we, storing up treasures for ourselves on earth where they mobs and thieves rest, right? Or is it our eternal ward in heaven? What do you think, Erin? Yeah. I mean, I love your comment on as women, like what our role is and 
you know, you see a lot of women taking over pulpits today. They're not going to come out and say these things. And, and there's a reason why the Lord has ordained for men to do that. That's right. And uh, men are biologically um, superior, (laughs) like stronger, like generally they are stronger. They have testosterone pumping through their veins. Um, There are protection to women. And, uh, and so, yeah, the the main way that we stand for truth is in our own heart and life and our devotion to Christ, and then faithfully loving our husbands so that we're freeing them up to stand in ways that, you know, especially if you are married to a shepherd or, you know, any man in the church, um, who is going to have to stand on these issues. And, and it should be the men who are, who are plowing the way with these issues. Um, because then they protect their wives from, you know, I look at, like you mentioned, Josh Alexander, he's a 17 year old who just experiences vitriol and like he's being abused at these things and he's preaching the gospel. And, uh, and so he is rallying all of these teen boys. And I, I saw a picture of, it. I was like, oh, this is incredible. Like you want them to be faithful to the word of God and, and the gospel and make that their, their focus and not, um, the freedom, the freedom fight right. isn't the primary focus, the, the changing hearts to the preaching of the gospel, the spirit changes hearts. Um, but to see these young men like stand up, you're like, okay, this is the next generation that, that are up and coming and we're raising them. We are, I'm raising men. And, uh, and so I need to stand with integrity in my own life and not compromise. And when I do fail in my home, I'm asking my children for forgiveness. I'm showing them God's word where I have failed. Um, but I'm leading the charge in my home. Like my husband is, but as I teach my babies and I live my life before them, um, like they have to see mom's a woman of integrity. She follows the word of God. Like she it's not one person at home and another person outside of the home. Right. Um, and so, yeah, just seeking to really live in the beauty of who God has created us as women. And that we, there, these are things we have to take a stand on in in our home as we teach our children gender and all of that. Um, and God's perfect word plan, all of it. So yeah, I'm glad that you touched on that. Yeah. Well, um, this was a really great, um, just for everything that's going on and getting to catch up with Darren and just with life and all that, um, has gone on in Canada. Um, and is going on now again, like we said, they need a lot of prayers over there, obviously with the transgender, with the bills being passed and LGBTQ and what's going on with this, um, with everything with the drag Queens and everything like that. And so we just need to be in prayer for each other. We need to continue to stand strong. We need to remember that we are, first of all, we're, we're women and we're called to, um, stand by, um, our husbands, um, in Christ and we're to be lights for our children and we're to be examples of Titus two women, Proverbs 31 women and understanding just the persecution that's coming and understanding what it means to be a good friend, a fellow worker of the gospel and someone who's not ashamed, who's going to desert someone. These are all great truths that we've talked through and just being reminded of all that James did um, with um, in regards to going to prison, but, really tied in with our verse. And so we focused a lot on just some persecutions that Aaron and I face personally and, and seeing the way people have either come alongside them or deserted them. And what that means um, for us as Christians to be encouraged and spurred on that there are women and there are people, there are believers, there are fellow believers who will stand with you. We know that there may not be a lot 
Um, but we know that God has um, redeemed the people for himself and there's perseverance of the saints. We will persevere in Christ. And so I just want to thank all of you ladies for being with us today. And um, hopefully we'll be back next month um, sometime. We don't ever have a date. We just know it's sometime in the next month, hopefully. And then just be getting ready for the open hearts in a closed world conference. Aaron and I are excited to be able to, to teach you. We've got a great um, topic growing in godliness and a godless generation, and that's what we're seeing. And so we really want to encourage you ladies to also have your daughters with you. Um, some of the ladies are specifically going to address some issues just with um, teen girls and encourage them as well, as well as the women. And so we really want to just encourage you to, to watch that conference. It's no cost. It's online um, on our YouTube um, page, Open Hearts in a Closed World. It'll be streamed through AGTV with Brandon Kimber. And then also with Exposit the Word with um, David Knight. So that is all we have for you today. Thank you for being with us. We're going to be praying for you as you listen to this, that you're strengthened, um, that God would use the, the word to, um, to just spur you on in your life as a, as a woman. And I'll pray for us before we go. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to be a people who love you, who love your word, who stand by your truth, and who are not ashamed of the gospel. And as women, Father, we understand the um, just the temptation to want to be afraid, um, to, to be fearful of man, uh, but we know, Father, that our hope is ultimately in you. And so when we're tempted to, like these two men, abandon or desert um, the gospel or the truths of the gospel and not stand against the world um, in what's going on in, in this generation, and, and even just, um, Father, just knowing what the word says, sometimes we can be fearful just to share with people um, the, the obedience that, that comes from obeying the commands of scripture. Lord, would you help us to to be like Onesiphorus, Lord, who stood by Paul, who was eager to come and see him. May we be friends like that to each other, sisters in Christ who are like-minded, who are not ashamed, who, um, Father, run the race and, and are, are, like it says, a cool breeze that we're refreshing to each other. May you use this um, these scriptures in our life that we learned in 2 Timothy to encourage us to be faithful women of God that stand on the word of God alone, that stand on your truth, that raise our children in it, to support our husband um, as they lead us as, as, as leaders. Um, they're called to, to father, to be the providers and the, in the headship. And so father, we pray that we would be submissive to that, that we would father serve as you called us in, in the ministry you've given us as wives and women, Proverbs 31 women and, and Titus two, and just to, to honor what you called, Lord, us to be like, um, to be submissive and, and um, homemakers and, and Father, to not chase after the things of the world. And then to surround ourselves with godly women who, who we know are fellow workers um, with us of the gospel, who are sharing with their kids and who are teaching their kids and training them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And Lord, I pray for the women out there who don't have a lot of um, strong, sound, like-minded friends. And I pray that you would just strengthen them with your word. And I pray for those who are attending churches that are weak, that are not doing these things. Father, would you, um, would you help them to find churches and, and pastors that are faithful, that are shepherds of the truth and only the truth and, and not what the world teaches. 
And we just thank you for today. We thank you for this time. I thank you for Erin, for her heart, just the wisdom you've given her, the love that we have as sisters that you started over four or five years ago. Father, we are so thankful for just what it means to truly be sisters in Christ. And, and may we always be that for each other, um, sharing in the, in the sufferings as well as the joys and father that you, you put before us in our lives through ministry and as, as wives and as pastors wives, just thank you for her. And thank you for each woman listening. Father, we ask that you would use this word to your glory. We thank you for Christ who died on the cross for our sin. And he, he rose from the dead. Father, he put his seal on death by rising and father, you accepted the perfect sacrifice of your son. And because of that, we have redemption through Jesus who shed his blood on, on our behalf for our sin. And so we thank you, father, that, that we can be called your children. And we just ask that you would be with us and and continue to strengthen us as we go through second Timothy with these ladies. And we pray you'd be glorified in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. Love you. Bye. I love you.